Hey watchers, today's episode is a genre-blending box office bomb. While originally reviewed favorably by critics, they quickly backpedaled when general audiences disagreed. On today's episode is special guest TJ Tooley of the Everyone and Their Friend podcast. So strap on your six-shooter and put on that tinfoil hat, because it's time for 2011's western sci-fi adventure film, Cowboys and Aliens. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Josh Baruto, and we review movies that are at least 10 years old. Fair warning, we're big on spoilers here, straight from the get-go. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a Midnight Watch? What is a Midnight Watch? It's a film which completely captures your attention, drawing you in. No matter what time or what part you start watching the movie, you have to finish it. So welcome, TJ, to the uh, show. We really appreciate it a lot. I was just looking up. uh, I listened to uh, your podcast. Very good stuff. So you got everyone and their brother who I can never remember the name of that show. I don't know why. (laughs) And then I've been going through your book, um, Leapers, which is on For the Love of Story. And so that podcast, which is just your your stories by yourself that you've you've written, right? Yes. Um, So it it all started off with everyone and their brother. Uh, My friend William wanted to, uh, he had a podcast with his brother, Sam, and they did like 16 episodes before it basically died. And so they wanted to do something different. Right. Uh, and they brought on my friend Robert and myself and everyone, their brother launched and we are 140 plus episodes in now. It's super crazy, but I wanted my own niche. I wanted to explore writing and I created a podcast where I share my own original writings and uh, yeah, it's it's been a really fun project and I, I have a lot of cool stuff on there. I think it's, it's just so exciting. Like we talked briefly, uh, my uh, Dash and I in the last episode about how um well i think you started this podcast before the covid because you guys are like like 140 something episodes into it right you're like number 137 most popular podcast in costa rica (laughs) yeah we uh we started it in like 2018 17 18 we just had like four years of eatb um and yeah we're the 135th most popular comedy podcast in costa rica so we had the our 135th episode we did we're number one 135 it was a good time pretty legit man so thank you yeah i'm looking forward to more stories for you and more books for you to be writing that's uh, you're very good at that i'm excited so we're diving into the movie cowboys and aliens uh, today you gave me a list of movies to check out um and we decided on this one it's directed by John Favreau, screenplay. This is where I guess we'll kind of jump into this real quick. Um, this movie did not do well. It was a uh, box office bomb because no. the budget was $163 million and the box office was $174 million. That's not including whatever they spent on um, advertisement for this, which is probably another couple, thir- like maybe $30 million or something like that. And yeah, mm-hmm. so they, yeah, they did. This movie did not do good. I'm chalking it up to some of it is right now that they have screenplay was 10 different screenwriters. So I know, (laughs) I know some movies that just happens where it's in development hell for a long time, but 
this one, 10 screenwriters, that's pretty crazy. The ones that are credited is uh, Damon Lindorf. You can love him or hate him. So that depends on what he's done. Um, then you got mm-hmm. Robert Orkey. I think I said that right. And Alex Kirksman, which them, I, I want to blame. So this movie, some people say that it's uh, it's just uh, there's nothing special about it, that it's just kind of um, general or it's it's basic. And I want to honestly blame it on those two guys because they wrote the Transformers uh, screenplays and then they wrote the two star the first two Star Trek uh, screenplays. And I think that the reason the Star Trek movies to me personally were enjoyable is because J.J. Abrams is an actual pretty good. He's a pretty good director. I don't think he's the next Steven Spielberg like he think there are the people were building him up to be. But he's a he's a pretty good director. And I think mm-hmm. this movie John Favreau lifts this movie um, way above the actual screenplay that that it got because it's very interesting. Let me uh, just put a few more things in here and then we'll jump into it real quick. Uh, the score is by Harry Grayson Williams, which he did the soundtracks for Shrek, Chronicles and Arya and uh, Metal Gear Solid. I was like, that's pretty cool. Did you know that? I did not know that, but I, I really like the score and I like his work. So, yeah, good stuff. Th- that was fantastic. And let's see, it was starring Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, Olivia Wilde, Sam Rockwell, Paul Dano, Adam Beach, Clancy Brown, Noah Ringer, and Keith Carradine. I was I forgot Keith Carradine was in this movie. Did you remember that? Um, not until I was rewatching it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that he might be known most for now was he was inside uh, a season of Dexter. And uh, yeah. then he was in a bunch of stuff back in the 70s and 80s. But when was the first time you watched this movie, man? Yeah, so it came out, you know, in 2011. And it was a, you know, that was around the time I was, you know, finishing up high school, going into college. This was like a really formative year for me in terms of my love of movies and cinema. So I, I went and saw this one. I, I decided to see this one with a group of guys rather than, you know, with my girlfriend at the time. Just seemed like more of a guy's movie to go watch. Um, and also my first uh, celebrity crush, like movie theater crush, uh, <laughs> Olivia Wilde's in it. Like I, I had to go see it, right? Right. Uh, oh, I thought you were gonna. Yeah, I thought you were just, gonna say Daniel Craig. That's my celebrity crush. Daniel, you know? Daniel Craig is also <laughs> up there. I mean, like can't can't ignore the man's looks. But you know, like Olivia had just come off of Tron the year before, and I really oh, yeah. I enjoyed that. So um, yeah, it was. I had to go see it, and I did go and see it in theaters. And then I watched it with my family when it came out on DVD, Blu-ray later. I think it was still DVDs back then. I, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I um I saw this movie in theaters as well. I was super excited because um uh, I like John Favreau, um mm-hmm. like Harrison Ford, Daniel Craig. Um, I like I didn't know how he was gonna do because this was the first movie that I remember him doing the American accent. But then I forgot he's yeah. in Road to Perdition and he's done other stuff with American accent. But uh, this is the one where I mean he's the main character doing, it. and I think he did a great job. I think he nailed it. Like I forgot he was British about five minutes into the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. No, his his American accent is really good. Uh, I, what was crazy to me was that that wasn't the only movie of his that he was starring in that came out that calendar year, because uh, uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo also came out in 2011. Weird year. Really? <laughs> oh, I did. I totally Wilde forgot also, that. Olivia Wilde also had In Time coming out later that year as well, which I also really liked that movie. Yeah. Um, again, 2011, crazy <laughs> year. <laughs> No, that was a you're right in time. That's a I think that's another underrated film right there. I do really I need to watch that movie again. That's a good one. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I so I saw it in theaters and then I bought it when it came out. Um, I really liked it. Everybody I was talking to, though, was either not interested in seeing it or they're like, I don't know about the, the alien stuff or it looks funny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's sci fi and it's cowboys. Like, how is that like not amazing? Right? Like, I mean, come on. This is the first one, too. I know that some people compared it to Wild Wild West or um, Jonah Hex, but mm-hmm. uh, jo- which Jonah Hex is probably closer because at least that's based off a comic book as well. But that's not super sci-fi, though. I mean, this is aliens and, like, spacecrafts and stuff like that. And then Wild Wild West was an atrocious movie to... <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually like that movie. It's super dumb. But for it, it really just crapped on the source material from, like, the 60s and, like, did not pay homage to it at all. And But thankfully, thankfully to that movie, though, if Will Smith hadn't picked that movie, he would have been Neo inside The Matrix instead of Keanu Reeves. So that? <laughs> thank you, Will Smith. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. So I'm going to read the synopsis real quick. When I say real quick, it's kind of kind of long, but I'm going to struggle through it <laughs> normally. Oh, yeah. So normally my brother is on the show, too, of course. And right now he had to take some time off just to be with family. So he normally does the synopsis and, and then I sit back and just relax. And so last week was the first time that I that I read it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like a lot like I got to get a drink after this. So, um, yeah, he's got some several thoughts on this movie that he texted me. And then we, we talked a little bit beforehand. So let me go ahead and jump through the synopsis and then we will just it'll be open territory on this. Awesome. So let's see. In ni- 1873, New Mexico, a man awakens injured in the desert with a strange metal bracelet attached to his left wrist and no memory. He wanders into the town of Absolution where the preacher Meacham treats his wound. Sheriff John Taggart recognizes the stranger as a wanted outlaw. Jake Lonergan and it oh as the wanted outlaw, Jake Lonergan, and attempts to arrest him. Jake nearly escapes, but a woman named Ellis Swenson interferes. Taggart and his men prepare to transport both Jake and petulant young drunkard Percy Dollarhide to Santa Fe for trial. Percy's father, Colonel Woodrow Dollarhide, a ruthless cattle baron, arrives with armed men and demands Percy to be released. See, I'm already messing this up. (laughs) He he also wants Jake, who has stolen gold from him. During the standoff, alien ships begin attacking the town. Percy Taggart and other townsfolk are abducted by grappling cables fired from the bottom of the ships. Jake's bracelet inexplicably activates and transforms, becoming a weapon. He shoots down a ship, ending the attack. Dollarhide, Ella, and other townsfolk form a posse to track an injured alien that escaped from the downed ship. Meanwhile, Jake travels to an abandoned cabin and in a flashback recalls returning to it with stolen gold and then being abducted along with a woman named Alice by the by the aliens. His memories returning, Jake joins the posse. During the evening, they come across a capitalized, capitalized, my God, capsized paddle, <laughs> paddle wheel steamboat <laughs> that the aliens apparently dumped far from any large river. They camp inside it. During the night, the alien kills Meacham, the the preacher, who sacrifices himself to save Emmett, Taggart's grandson. By morning, most of the posse has deserted, and Jake's former gang attacks the rest. Jake, who stole the gang's loot after their last heist, attempts to retake control but is foiled. The aliens attack again and abduct Ella. Jake jumps aboard the ship and attacks the alien pilot, causing the ship to crash in the river. The pilot survives the crash and attacks Ella, fatally wounding her before Jake kills it with his wrist blaster. The remaining posse is captured by Apache Native Americans who blame them for the alien attacks. After after Ella's corpse is dumped onto the fire by the Apache warrior, she is resurrected and emerges from the fire. 
Ella reveals herself to be another alien race who has traveled to Earth to help resist the invaders after they destroyed her homeworld. The aliens who are mining gold and abducting people to con conduct experiments on them have superior weaponry and are far stronger and more durable than humans. Only Jake's wrist weapon or well-aimed round from a rifle can kill them with a single shot. Ella tells them that the previous attackers were just scouts. She also claims Jake holds the secret to the aliens' whereabouts and argues that they must defeat the aliens before the invaders exterminate all life on Earth. After taking medicine offered by the Apache's medicine man, Jake's memory returns. He recalls watching Alice get vivisected and euthanized. He escaped by stealing the bracelet and casing his wrist. He also remembers the location of the aliens' base of operations, their landed mothership. With this knowledge, they plan to attack the alien base. Jake leaves to persuade his old gang to join the fight while Dollarhide takes command of the original group and the Apaches. After the combined groups maneuver the aliens into a ground battle, Jake and Ella board the ship and free the captives, but Jake is captured. Dollarhide rescues him and both men escape from the ship after killing the alien responsible for Alice's death. The, the ship takes off as the rema remaining aliens flee Earth, but Ella stays on board to end the threat. She sacrifices herself by entering the ship's core and turning Jake's wrist weapon into a bomb. It detonates, obliterating the ship. Obliterating the ship. Was man? Okay, I'm not falling off the rails again. You're doing with the great. aliens, <laughs> with the aliens gone, the rescued townsfolk begin remembering their past. Still a wanted man, Jake chooses to leave. The sheriff and Dollarhide decide to claim he was killed in the invasion. The citizens intend to rebuild their town with the gold taken from the alien. That was from Wikipedia. So if you want to donate, we don't have a uh, Patreon, but go donate to Wikipedia because we steal their stuff all the time. And we appreciate that website. <laughs> it's a good cause. Right. So let's dive into this. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts about this movie? Yeah, so it's a parts of it are really fun to watch. There's a there's an aspect or several aspects of it that I really like. Uh, the first of it being if you like Westerns, it's a Western. Like, they don't oh, yeah. shy away from that. Like, uh, some people may have... I, I think part of why it suffered was because of the marketing, because how do you market this movie? But right. really, I this movie, you know, instead of, like, you know, aliens swarming in and, like, storm, you know, taking over and taking everyone, it could have easily been, you know, a warring tribe of blank or, you know, right. a separate town or something. The, the fact that they're aliens actually kind of has very little to do with the movie for the first half two-thirds like right it's and i think that that was an interesting route to go because they did stick to a lot of western tropes and uh and it starts off really strong in that regard it could be really slow for some people but i you know you got your you know your fight out in the desert you got your saloon fights you've got right all sorts of good good stuff there um for me the sci-fi stuff is arguably the weakest part of the entire movie uh, right and and that's so interesting to me um, because, you know, I remember watching it. I was like, you know, it's like I kind of wish there was more, but also I could have done with like I could just follow them around. You know, like right. the, the set piece in the boat was so cool. You know, like it's such a cool way to to film in a capsized boat in the middle of the desert. You know, right. It's like, like upside that, down. Yeah. yeah, that stuff was like really cool to me. Uh, and, you know, it's movies like this. It's movies that came out in this time that really got me to think about stories and writing stories in ways that are really cool and creative. Uh, because, yeah, I, John Favreau, my guy doing a space-themed Western. 
where might that lead to in the future? You know what I mean? Right? Like it's 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 really cool that this kind of was this the fact that this movie exists baffles me. And it always yeah. will. <laughs> well, it's true. And I, I didn't think about that. You brought up a great point of like John Favreau. He, you know, I mean, he already had done Iron Man and several other big movies. And I, I personally think he is he should become a household name like Steven Spielberg because he just keeps putting out good stuff. He's a good storyteller. And then like he he uh, he kind of, personally, I think he kind of saved Star Wars by um, him and Dave Filoni making The Mandalorian, which is a Western in space. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely yeah, all exactly. these little. Yeah, all of these things kind of just came together. Now, I agree. Like, it is, it's strange that the general public didn't like this movie. Like, they just, they really didn't too much. And my brother uh, brought mm-hmm. up a good point where, like, the critics, uh, at first, they just kind of bashed this movie pretty bad. So then a lot of people didn't go to see it. And then um, after the movie came out, then a lot of critics kind of changed their minds. And they were like, oh, it's actually not that bad. It's, you know, it's pretty decent. And so... <laughs> But by then, the the damage had already been done. Like if, you know, you're looking at the tomato meter or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it was kind of frustrating. You're you're right. It is hard to market this movie. I think the we were talking and Josh brought up a good point, too, that the name of the movie turns some people away because it just sounds cheesy. Cowboys and aliens. But Mm -hmm. at the time for me, like I thought that was cool. I like that. It was just so like on the nose. For sure. Yeah. No, it's it's one of those like he was able to get this gig, you know, all of the nonsense that happened with all the different screenwriters and the eight production houses that were involved in this thing right. and all that stuff. I mean, it, it makes sense that they would have tried to hone in and bring in uh, some people they trust. And, you know, coming off of, you know, 2008's Iron Man and the Iron Man 2 that came out also, you know, like coming off of those movies, like giving him a chance to do that, I think worked really well. And he was able to bring in, some others that would be good executive producers to kind of help this along. But right. still, at the end of the day, I mean, you can only do so much with the screenplay. Right. It's true. Because I know there was uh, Steven Spielberg, you know, from, of course, DreamWorks Productions. That's his baby. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he set up pr- private screenings with some Westerns, like um, I think like Stagecoach and um, I didn't write it down, but mm-hmm. a couple of other ones just to make sure that they got the the good vibe of like the classic Westerns from the 1950s and 60s. And so John Favreau like did a fantastic job. I, I totally agree with you. Like if the aliens never showed up in this movie, it was just them fighting something else. I would totally like this movie still just because like it's it's a very grounded Western. Very, very much so. Yeah. It, and the other thing that I don't think gets enough credit is it they actually do a pretty decent job of setting up one to three different mysteries early on you know you've got you know what happened to jake well who is jake for a little bit and then um you know what is this thing he can't get off his wrist like there's a mystery around this metal thing on his wrist and then everything with ella which is just i love i love her but just just tell them and the movie doesn't happen just 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 talk (laughs) right right just say what you know and the movie doesn't happen but you know she had to trust no she could trust him (laughs) i I guess so i i clearly it was just so that they could get those close-ups of her just staring at him and he's like what do you what what do you want what are you doing (laughs) which which is it's funny i mean she was she was pretty um doing pretty good at that time anyway she was uh she was i wouldn't even say she was an up-and-coming actress at that time she had cemented herself in some pretty big movies Mm -hmm. by then and 
it was funny though like she was cast because she looks a little alien like herself like she actually does yeah like the way just her features and stuff and she's a beautiful woman but i just think it was funny how that that was part of it but she's also a really good actress too yeah for sure it is there was just some i'm not sure if it was choices that she made or direction that made it a little weird like she was supposed to be weird she's supposed to come off as alien and right. wouldn't you know it she does <laughs> so right. but Surprise. people knocked the movie for that they were like her performance sucks and her character is not important which character being important to the story or not you know that could have been the point is that she right. acts weird like she's supposed to seem a little off right i mean and there are a lot of things in this movie that are there are different tropes and cliches mm-hmm. but um, I think they wanted to really settle into the Western feel, which is why they got these specific tropes and cliches. Uh, I guess like some critics going in to watch the movie were expecting it to be like some some epic, extremely well-written movie. And it's it's not it's not it's a it's a great <laughs> film. Like I enjoy it a lot, but it's just it's a popcorn movie. It's that's it all is. it's trying to be. It's not trying to be anything else. And for that, I definitely think it hit its mark pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I like to point to one of my favorite, small favorite scenes of the entire movie. And that's, you know, Paul Dana's out there just shooting at the freaking saloon, like right. saying, like, what are you going to do? Like, my dad's the only reason they're like, it's, it's so, and then he like shoots this guy. He's like, oh, come on, Sheriff. He, he come out of nowhere. Like, he's, right. it's, it's ridiculous. Um, Paul Dana's character. I love, love, loved how he was portrayed. I is it's. it's it was excellent. Very much yes. looking forward to seeing his Riddler in a year or so. That's a different side tangent. But you know, <laughs> the way that that you wake up with this mystery man, you're in the desert. You know, get on your feet, partner. It's saying your lucky right. day or whatever. It's like it, it, you do this stuff. You go into town. It's 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 just a western, and it's a silly western because yeah. of it. And you know, there are some people, some of the characters, you can even tell, like, some of the characters are even designed to be a little more uh, serious than some of the others. You know, Dollarhide, he is in, you know, he is one of the more serious characters, uh, that being Harrison Ford's character. And then you have um, him going with, you know, Doc, like uh, Sam Rockwell's character. They are, they're more serious, they're more grounded, they feel more like real people struggling through stuff. And then you have you know, Meacham, the, you know, the Mr. Guy. Um, right. And, and they're, they're a little, a little sillier, but like a little more like lighthearted. And that's the way real life is, is some people are a little more serious than others. And that's okay. Right. But this movie doesn't like, I like that the, they committed, the actors yeah. committed to this. Like they went for it. They could have easily just phoned this in. Right. But I think they went for it. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you brought up Paul Dano. That guy is a sincerely underrated actor for like the general audience. I mean, yes. if you watch the movie, there will be blood. He just he kills it in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then Little Miss Sunshine. And then, like you said, he's going to be the the Riddler. And he's just been in a lot of different stuff. He played uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. And so like he's a really fantastic actor. He does a great job in anything he's in. He commits to anything he's in mm-hmm. and um i thought also too like you were talking about goofy characters like walter goggins super yes. goofy character um <laughs> always the treat anytime you see him in a movie he's just whether he's serious or he's just uh he's super goofy he just nails it too i agree they totally they totally do commit yeah like all of all of the little side characters the 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 you know 
the ranch hands, you know, the guys who are, you know, taking a, taking a dump in the river, you know, like these, <laughs> yeah. these guys are ridiculous. And I, I want to bring up, uh, we, we haven't talked about him yet, but there's, there's just this uh, not really that important character of little Mickey played by uh, Wyatt Russell, who a lot of people have started to know because of like 22 Jump Street and then Ca uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where he shows up as U.S. agent now. Like, right. Just wait, where who really, was he in this? I missed him. In that. He was a character. He was a character named Little Mickey, a very not that important role in the grand scheme of things. But Wyatt Russell was in there and I get to talk what? about it and also talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier because of it. Dude, that's awesome. I didn't realize that the first time I saw him was in the uh, the zombie movie Overlord. Uh, did, you, did you ever watch that? <laughs> that's a, yeah. Yeah, that was what, 2018, 2019, I think it was. Or, 2018, something yeah. like that. But, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember him as Zook in 22 Jump Street. <laughs> Which Dang man, I didn't realize he was. I didn't realize he was movie. in that too. He was Channing Tatum's other half. Um, so uh, by the way, stuff. Steven Spielberg, um, he screened The Searchers, and then he did Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So that way, the screenwriters okay. could check out both of those movies, kind of find a middle ground on that. That's pretty awesome. So, what do you think was the downfall of this movie? Because uh, <laughs> for I know I've said several things already. Mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. was originally set to play the main character, and then he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with um, the second Sherlock Holmes movie. Mm -hmm. And then that's when they rewrote the character for Daniel Craig. I personally think if Robert Downey Jr. was in it, it would have put uh, more people in the seats just because at that time, I mean, he had Iron Man, Sherlock Holmes. I mean, now he still brings in a lot of people, but right then he was like red hot. And Daniel Craig, I feel like, was known mostly for being James Bond, which kind of typecast him for a while. Like mm -hmm. now he's done Logan Lucky, fantastic film. Uh, he's, you know, he's done Knives Out. He's done a ton of movies now. So people are kind of more like, oh, that's Daniel Craig instead of, oh, that's James Bond. But at that mm -hmm. time, he wasn't as well known as he is now. What do you think, though? Yeah, well, first of all, before I answer your question, uh, I did not know about Robert Downey Jr. potentially being involved in this. That would have been a very very different movie right um, but you you're allowing me to talk about something else i love here once once fantastic beasts is done make the third one please like that <laughs> those sherlock holmes movies are so good i've been waiting for so long and right. i understand they're busy i understand that they're big actors but if you could get together and do and do a third one i think that it would be gold I think oh, yeah. I love those movies. So Jared, uh, Jared, uh, yeah. Jared Hess was like, I think that was his name. Fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. Bad guy. Love him and everything he's in. But yeah, go back. Yeah. So uh, anyway, to answer your actual question, <laughs> um, I really do think that the biggest downfall was in not just the marketing and how they had to market the movie, because inherently that's the only way you could do it. You're not going to get people in the seats by saying, look, come see Western movie. You know, you right. got to have a, the hook and Cowboys and Aliens is an excellent title. But it's, you know, this came out, you know, around the same time as like uh, Battle Los Angeles and some other oh, yeah. like big movies that were coming out. People were expecting big alien invasion, like uh, Independence Day, but with cowboys. And right. what they they didn't really get that. And that no. was never the point, but that was hard to convey. And so people's expectations coming in, I think, also dampened that a little bit. And, you know, this is, you know. I talked about it a lot, but 2011 was kind of a, a turning point 
in movie world because you know we had like you know 2008 with you know the dark knight and we were starting to get superhero movies right but we also came out with the green lantern this year uh, so <laughs> like there's there's a weird mixture of movies where they're tr figuring out things that work but the budgets are getting bigger the the mm -hmm. you know visual effects are getting bigger and so i think a lot of people were expecting hey the guy who did iron man and james bond are doing an alien movie were you expecting them to just ride around on horses and go to inside an upside down boat and hang out? Like that's not what they were expecting. So I'm thinking that that's probably a large part of it also. And I'll be honest, there are some problems uh, with the script and the story. Yeah. We haven't touched on this much, but there is an extended version of the movie that adds 16 oh, yeah. extra minutes um, and would have probably given it an R rating uh, because they added some more blood and gore effects in the final battle. So maybe letting that happen, fleshing out those scenes a little bit more may have helped a little, but it, it does sometimes feel like you go from big action set piece to now we're just talking around a fire. Right. <laughs> you know, so like pacing it a little bit, but uh, that that's my best guess as to why I walked out of the theater remembering I liked it, but right. I was also a high schooler. <laughs> right. Well, I, I was, uh, yeah, when I left, I was like, man, that was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. I think those mm -hmm. are some really good points that you bring up. Also, too, um, around 2000 and on, you've got Open Range, you've got the remake of 310 to Yuma, mm -hmm. a lot of different super serious modern day uh, Western movies, you know, and uh, you got yeah. like Seraphim Falls and those movies are super serious. And so this movie comes out and it's more reminiscent of like the John Ford movies, less of Sam Peckinpah. I, I think like for me, I, I love all kinds of Westerns. I grew up watching Roy Rogers movies with my dad and like Gene Autry. Like this is the old stuff yeah. that's almost silent film stuff. And so mm -hmm. I love like the cheesy Westerns. Uh, it's got such a soft spot, you know, like Sons of the Pioneers. They were in like every other movie. Great, great band, by the way, if you ever want to check it out. But um, and so with the, the 2000 uh, twist came along and all the Westerns got super serious. This one's. Mm -hmm. It's fun, but it's more. Did you ever see Silverado in the eighties? Did you ever watch that movie? I uh, maybe. It's got a <laughs> it's got a, a younger Kevin Costner in it, and Danny Glover, and a bunch of different people. Okay. Wait, is Danny Glover in it? I need to watch it again. It's been a while. Uh, you got Scott Glenn and stuff. But anyways, um, that movie was definitely a throwback to like the old school, feel good, big budget Western movies of like the sixties and stuff. This movie felt more like that. And then mm -hmm. you, you're right. You did have Battle of Los Angeles. And um, that was a full scale invasion. And this movie has a lot of quiet parts, it has a lot of full on Western parts. But it also, too, right. I think they they went more towards it as well, um, like especially the steamboat scene in the rain. Like that was a complete homage to Alien. And so mm -hmm. like 100 yeah. percent. So I, I just I think they just the movie has a hard time finding an audience. And I'm surprised that it doesn't have a cult following. Yeah, it's it's something that I think could happen now with like streaming being what it is you know you can right. watch this movie if you have a prime membership but you know just again i gotta go back to the year this is the same calendar year that thor and captain america came out we're in full swing mcu Ooh. but yeah. it also had um like green lantern came out uh but uh that sucker punch movie if you ever watched that that oh. came out oh uh, god one of <laughs> the the excellent excellent x-men first class came out that year that's true uh, you, I am number four, which I love the books. The movie also exists, but it came out, you know, it's um, and then um, Planet of the Apes, which, you know, the 
or Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I think that new trilogy they did is excellent and deserves all of the awards it won. Um, right. Th- th- these all came out. And also, like, the the Green Hornet came out. Not many people watched that either. You know, it's... Oh, yeah. These All of these movies came out in 2011. So I'm wondering if this one just kind of was like, people are like, okay, we know we're going to go see this, and we know we're going to see that... You know, people were like, yeah, we're going to go see that Green Lantern movie because that looks excellent. Um, <laughs> right. So it, it just I think that there was a lot coming out and it may have been when it was released and what was released around it that may have lessened the amount of people who were able to go, which is a problem that's actually happening still to this day is a lot of movies are getting buried. You know, like, oh, yeah. Um, there's there is a last night in Soho right now is not doing well, but it looks excellent. But people right. just aren't seeing it. Well, it's, it's Edgar and, Wright. Ed, yeah. When is Edgar Wright made a bad movie? I mean, like he's a exactly fantastic. He's one of my favorite favorites working right now. Like it's so good. So I need to go see that. But I'm part of the problem. I haven't gone and seen it. yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. That, that, that they're constantly uh, moving around like when a movie will um come out because they don't want half the audience to go see this movie and then half the audience to go see something else they want the full audience that's some really good points there i do yeah i do agree with you on that um also too um i will say though like the marketing in this movie when i watched the trailer for the first time and then like they're on the they're they're on the horses they're riding and the aliens are shooting at them and audio slave just kicks in i was like i am so there like i will pay twice as much for this ticket because i i just it hit it checked all the right spots and it really mystified me at the time it's it is a it is a weird type of uh of a niche i guess for this type of movie like there's not really anything else that's like that or if there is it's cheesy and it's cheesy on purpose and yeah. this movie the the when there's action this movie's very serious when there's action like people get laid out really bad at the end of this movie and i was watching it and i was like I was thinking for a while, I was like, yeah, I think my dad would really like this movie. And then at the end of the movie, it gets pretty violent. And I was like, eh, he may not really like the end of this movie, but uh, which <laughs> yeah. that, it's funny. My brother was saying like, it'd be cool if they had made it R rated and had to be more gory. But uh, so he mm. might really like the extended version. He, he, he really enjoyed this movie as well, but this yeah. is a solid movie. It's it definitely it's, I would not call it a weak movie at all. Uh, hands down way better than the green Hornet or the green lantern. And <laughs> but that's not saying yeah. much. Let's see here. Uh, I got a little bit of trivia. We can dive into that real quick. Oh, by the way, okay. The scene where the alien comes out of the water after it was crashing, you think they're about to kiss. That totally got me. That jump scare. Like <laughs> I didn't expect yeah. that. I thought they were gonna just start making out and then like bam, the alien comes out. What did you think of the alien design, by the way? Yeah, I think it, they looked cool. But, you know, it's it it's weird. That should have been something that a lot of special effects budget was used on. And it kind of feels like it wasn't. Yeah. You know, like they're yeah, I, I don't want to say that they were reminiscent of like the afterthought aliens and signs. But like, you know, they're, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're they, yeah, the monkey aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's just I, I wish that they're that they were looked cooler and it's something that if they were to re-release the movie, you know, even on like streaming now, I think that you could touch it up just a little bit because even back in like 2011, while special effects were better, they're, they're, they're not quite to where they can be now where, 
you know, things are a little bit, you know, getting crazy. We could we could talk at length about how I think that special effects are actually kind of going backwards now. That's a different problem. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right. Yeah, I, I think that they were a cool design. But again, the aliens don't really matter. So they didn't really it does, it's, it's almost like they didn't put a whole lot of thought into how they would actually look um, and how the ships would work, because really, I mean, these are aliens who are capable of interstellar travel who are using essentially lassos to to hoist people up like they don't have tractor right. beams or something or like you know i i don't but they have the big searchlights so i don't know i think that they were cool but they could have been done maybe a little bit better yeah i think they went for more of an like an amphibian amphibian type of look mm -hmm. yeah. which i appreciate i'd really like the part when like the the shell opens up and the little hands come out. I was like, oh, that's gross. That's really kind of creepy. But yeah. I I personally felt like the eyes was what made the movie that didn't make the aliens scary. Cause you know, like you've got the uh, xenomorphs, you know, from alien, which are mm -hmm. like freaking crazy, but that's also HR Geiger or Geiger. Like that guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you look up any of his artwork, it's, <laughs> it's otherworldly. Yeah. But I think if they had gone some more, like maybe with snake eyes or something like that, that mm -hmm. would have been creepier. Uh, my brother really liked him. He thought they were a, a great design. So Josh's uh, other thoughts on this. He definitely is a big fan of the 40s and 50s like um, sci-fi movies. And I enjoy those movies too. But I think mm -hmm. he's seen more of them than I have. So like I've never seen the original War of the Worlds. And um, mm -hmm. I, I I have seen like Attack of the, you know, the, the Saucer Men and different things like that. This has... Oh, that, so these aliens, though, they do a lot more like classic alien tropes. Like you were saying, like, where's the tractor beams and where's all that stuff? Yeah. Um, I like that they had like the light that kept them where they were frozen and like mm -hmm. and when they caught people that they were like dissecting them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Figuring <laughs> out stuff. Um, I thought that was cool because they actually used like some of the classic alien things. So, yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, of of. Olivia Wilde, the one scene where she's yanked off the horse going 40 feet in the air, that was literally her getting yanked 40 feet in the air. And so I was like, that's pretty legit. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, another thing, I keep talking about how this movie bombed, but it's just fascinating to me because I feel like this movie should not have bombed. It should have gone pretty good. I think the, they put too much in the budget. It, they For mm. the first movie in a genre that had not been tapped before, like, for example, you just named off, I think, like six different superhero movies coming out in that year. Mm -hmm. that's a genre that you know people are going to go see even if they've never heard of the character it's still interesting this genre is, uh, is new and i think they put too much money into it um i like sam rockwell's character a lot but mm -hmm. i feel like anybody could have played that character and um he's such a great actor but it, it just didn't have a lot to work with so i feel like if you cut him out that would have saved a little bit i love the stage uh or the steam steamboat area but I feel mm -hmm. like that might have been like a lot of money. Um, they if they cut it down to where this movie was around like a hundred million, it would have mm -hmm. it would have helped. They wouldn't have lost money on this movie. But it, it's hard. It's a big budget idea, and they did a great job with it. It's just, yeah, I think they just they swung and missed on it, unfortunately. And I think if the critics, I don't know. So my brother was saying that you know like the critics bashed on it, you know before. And that hurt the movie. But if you remember Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, big budget <laughs> I love movie. That movie. <laughs> right. Big budget I movie. movie. The critics were all over it. They were like 95% positive. And that movie bombed. Like people, it, it didn't do um, really good. And they've always kicked around the idea for a sequel, um, mm. which I hope they make a sequel. But that, I mean, that movie was ahead of its time for just how 
well thought out it was. It was some really strong sci-fi. So maybe that's what the critics were expecting at this time. I'm not sure. But also, too, um, we didn't we haven't touched on Harrison Ford uh, returning to a, a Western. I mean, mm-hmm. I he's not really known as a Western actor, but he's such a a big name still, like even at that time, you know, and the fact that they had him in a, in a Western movie was pretty awesome. Like you, you could have I'll watch anything with Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, one <laughs> critic said one critic said he actually thought that Harrison Ford looked like he was having fun making the movie because like Harrison Ford, like hates half the movies that he's done. <laughs> right you know like the reason he signed on to the force awakens was that said so they would kill off han solo he didn't sign off on yeah. that and until then so i thought that was pretty funny i'm looking to see if there's anything else before we start wrapping this uh wrapping this up uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say that um, about this film uh yeah um so there was one little thing i wanted to mention and that was uh the character of emmett uh the 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 child uh played yes. by uh, noah ringer um, I thought, you know, there's sometimes you'll add a child to a movie like this and then it kind of is like an annoying thing that they have to carry around. I did not uh, think that the character of Emmett was annoying. And in fact, I thought he added something to the movie. And I, I say that that is solely on, well, not solely, mostly on like the writing, but most, most of it on Noah's uh, portrayal. And so as the actor who played Ung in that atrocious last airbender movie i want to say you did good on this one and i it doesn't look like he's done a whole lot since so um i i just wanted to throw that out there that i appreciated that and then also you know clancy brown as meacham like you don't think about clancy brown too much as a live action actor but you know Mm -hmm. he it was not mr krabs as a preacher you know so it's uh (laughs) you're able to you know, I thought he did a fantastic job. I liked that character a lot. Um, and I, I like the actor a lot. He's He's been in a lot of things, like live action. I, I don't need people to hear this and be like, hey, he was in like Shawshank. Like, I know, I know. Right, <laughs> I'm just right. saying. Well, that's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, yeah. I was just saying a lot of like, you know, kids our age and younger would know a lot more if I just tell him like, some of the characters that he has voiced, um, you know, cause he was also, he's also going to be in the new Dexter thing, you know, but yes, a lot of people know him as Mr. Krabs. And also he does a really cool character in invincible, uh, the animated series on Amazon prime. If you have not watched that, you should, it's good. Yes. You guys definitely need to watch that. It is. It's, it's definitely R rated and it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> and uh, hard R hard, yeah. hard R. <laughs> My uh, yeah. Speaking of that, just a side note. Uh, my boss was like, "Hey, man, you gotta check this out." And so I, I went to watch it. And I'm not a big uh, anime, not a big comic book fan, or not. I'm sorry, not comic book cartoon uh, mm-hmm. thing. And so I was watching it, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't really like this new style." And then at the end of the first episode, I was like, extremely hooked and fell in love with the show. <laughs> and was like, "Okay, it's, I cannot wait for season two. It's 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 real good. Um, I also wanted to just also throw out, you know. Um, there's the character of Alice. Um, and mm. if you're a character that exists only in like memory sequences and dream sequences, or mostly in those, then it, it, it can be kind of hard to really ha- explore the character. It can be hard to, um, you know, really flesh out the character as you're portraying him. Um, and I just wanted to say that I thought that um, Abigail Spencer played her very well. Um, she's been in, you know, Mad Men. She was in a season of True Detective. Uh, she was in the show Timeless, and this is why I want to talk about. It. Mm. She 
was Lucy in the show Timeless, which aired for a couple years on, I think, uh, well, I don't want to guess the network, but it was like a time travel <laughs> show. And it was actually really cool. Like, it was a cool premise. And I, I, I really appreciated that show. So I wanted to bring that up. And also, she plays Dr. Megan Hunt on Grey's Anatomy, which I also watch <laughs> as well. Um, so that's, that's just some fun stuff there that I just wanted to mention. Because I thought that the dream sequences and the memory sequences worked actually rather well, especially with Daniel Craig's Jake uh, Lonergan learning more about who he was and how the aliens worked. Right, right. Um, that's funny. So you got somebody from Grey's Anatomy and somebody from House. Yeah. Oh, know? and also Abigail Spencer plays a one-off character in a single episode of How I Met Your Mother. And if you've seen How I Met Your Mother, you'll understand uh, that when I say that her character's name was Blah Blah, um, <laughs> it's excellent. And you should check that out, too. <laughs> I've only seen sporadic episodes of, of that. I need to watch it. I need to sit down and just watch the whole show. I liked what I've watched. I just haven't seen enough of it. I, I think that's about it for me with this movie. I um, I enjoyed it. It was a fun popcorn movie. I definitely think this movie deserves mm -hmm. a lot more interest. Um, it's not it's not like a phenomenal film. It's uh, I I hate to say it like I it doesn't. I feel like it shouldn't be a hidden gem. It should be one of those movies that like majority of people seen and they're like, oh yeah, I saw that movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we have an opportunity through this podcast and you yes. listening to my voice right now. List watch watch this movie. Let's talk about this movie more, because even if this movie doesn't get like sequels and sequels and franchises and stuff, I think the Western genre is a really cool place that's not explored right now. I mean, they tried yeah. with like, you know, the they did like a Magnificent Seven reboot with like uh, one of the Chris's and it didn't work. Um, they did like, the Hate Blade, which is kind of Western, but it kind of but that one worked. You know, there's that's the Quentin genres. Tarantino, though. That's different. Yeah. yeah. Tarantino is. Not, yeah. So, like, I think that the Western genre is a cool place. It's a cool playground for someone to work in let's go there i would love to see something like a jonah hex you know like that ties yeah. the which jonah hex the movie you mentioned came out like the year before the cowboys and aliens crazy little side note thing so i want more westerns because i like them but let's bring the western genre into the 21st century because we can do it right um total side note did you ever see the uh, movie dead birds dead birds i did not it, it was a uh, western horror film Ooh. And uh, it's freaking really scary. And uh, yeah, I can't remember <laughs> yes. his name, but the, the guy who plays uh, the main kid from E.T. and he's the dad inside the haunting of Hill House. Uh, he's the main guy in it. And there's another okay. there's another scary um, horror Western movie called the Burrow Burrow I can't even say that Burrows. Yeah. And also too, Westerns is very, very American. Like. Mm -hmm. And it's such a small part of our history, but like a lot of the world is obsessed with that, that, that part of our history. But yeah, I agree. That would be fantastic. I'm always down for a new Western a hundred percent. So I think we said everything that we wanted to say about this movie. We can go into our final verdicts on this one. So yes. uh, we break it down into four categories. We've got number one, the level of impact and success that it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a midnight watch? Which, of course, the midnight watch means if it's on randomly, you have to sit down and watch, finish the movie. It doesn't matter where it is in that movie. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and do number one. TJ, what do you think, man? Did it, did it uh, have impact and success when it was released? <laughs> Minimal. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that it failed. I wouldn't say that it failed because it did at least make up what it went out for I, I would give it a solid like 
B, C, somewhere in there, probably. I, I don't think it's like worse than that. Um, I got I got to disagree with you on that. I think, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, I I I hate to say it, but I think I got to give this movie an F actually, just because it yeah. lost money and like yeah. the the fact that it lost money and people aren't um didn't really talk about it a lot. It kind of came out and it just went. And um, yeah, I just I feel like I have to give this an F for the impact, which is I hate to say that because this movie's does <laughs> yeah. it's not an F movie. Yeah, so you got uh, what you say B or C on uh, impact? Yeah. Let's let's go C minus. <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I'll do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, let's see. How relevant is it today? I would unfortunately I'd give it an F as well. But what about you? Uh, yeah, uh, relevancy today. I mean, uh, there's many people that you could talk to our age and older who have never heard of it, which is a problem. So, right. uh, I would say that's definitely, definitely, I might try and be generous and give it a D because there's some people who like us <laughs> yeah. who do like it and are talking about it. And there right. may be more people like us, but I, I can't give it higher than that. Well, when you, you sent me the list of movies that you wanted to potentially review, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that movie. I want to talk about that movie. <laughs> yeah. I haven't I haven't talked about that movie since 2011. And that movie, this movie needs to be talked about. Number three, uh, what's the, your personal enjoyment of this movie? I, you know, and I got to rewatch it to like in preparation for this. And I'll probably give the full extended version a try. Um, so yes. I... That one I might have a different rating for, but this one I'd say personal enjoyment, probably a B. Like, a B. I, there's a lot that I do like about it, but there is some stuff like it somehow feels like it might be just a little too long, even though this is the shorter version. So, right. Yeah, I'll think, give it a B. I think some scenes do drag a little bit, which is mm -hmm. kind of funny because Westerns are notoriously, you know, slow, especially like Once Upon right. a Time. Uh, once upon a time in the in the west that movie is extremely slow but that's also a totally different style of western than this movie i i gotta i think i gotta go with you on that one too I, it's a i gave it a b well i gave it a c plus you know um because it's better than just a c but a b is like it's starting to get up there as like close to one of my favorites and it's it's not one of my yeah. favorites but it's a very solid film um so my brother on this one let me go back to uh, before we go into our, our midnight watches. Uh, so he was, he didn't think that it did well when it was released or still relevant for his personal enjoyment. He gave it a C plus. So I think I got to actually agree with him on that. So C plus on that one. That's and then yeah. is, is it a midnight watch? If you're a, you know, you're up in the middle of the night, it's on and you're walking, walking by to get some milk and cookies or something. So Capri Suns, you know, this is, this is the interesting one. I'm very, I was very excited to talk about this in particular. I think, think yes but not because of like its quality i think for two reasons one if you're a person who's seen it before you might be like i haven't seen this since 2011 and watch it and two if you haven't seen it you might be like that's daniel craig and <laughs> he's a cowboy or that's harrison ford with daniel craig what is this movie or right you know, olivia wilde's running around what is this movie and then you know if you catch it at the right time you're like is this a western with daniel craig and then if you catch it at the other right time it's oh, this is like cowboys and aliens and they're actually going for it. So I actually think a lot more people would through and watch till the end just because they might get hooked when they start. That's a great point. And I think this would be a fantastic TV movie to come on like every year because you're right. It's just like, what is this? And like, mm -hmm. I feel like people would watch a lot more weirder stuff. It's if it's just on, then you're like, I need to, I need to watch that, you know, which yeah. is, it's funny though. Like there's a lot of movies that are not my favorite movies, 
but it is a bit, uh, there are midnight watches to me. Like I like to bring up uh, Kung Fu Hustle. Like that movie yeah. is, it's not my favorite, not one of my favorites, but I will watch the crap out of that movie anytime <laughs> it's on. That movie is so fascinating to me. And so it's just, yeah, uh, for me, it's not a midnight watch. It's almost there though. It's so mm-hmm. close because it's just weird enough and it's just Western enough. Almost, well, it's not just Western enough. Apparently it's a little less than just Western enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. not quite. Yeah, and then for Josh, uh, it's not a midnight watch for Josh. So that's fair. But I would definitely say to our listening audience, check this movie out. Like, if you like action movies, if you like alien movies, if you like westerns, watch this movie. It's just a fun popcorn movie. You don't have to think too much when you're watching it. It might be a little too violent for the kids. It definitely earns its PG-13 rating. No, definitely a solid film for sure. Where did you watch this movie? Do you own it or you watch it on Amazon Prime? Um, I, I do actually own a Blu-ray of it, surprisingly. Um, and But I watched it on Amazon Prime because, um, you know, streaming. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Dude, I've done that several times where I'm like, I have a physical copy, but I just rented it because I had to watch it on my phone or something. This movie, yeah, I own it as well. I bought the Blu-ray when it came out. And then I actually, I have it downloaded on iTunes. So I watched it through iTunes. Where can we find you on, uh, on out there on the interwebs? <laughs> yeah, um, so the best place to get a hold of me is my Twitter at TJ Tooley. Uh, I don't post all that much, but I'm a lot of fun there. Yeah, you can also hear more of my voice on my podcasts. <laughs> I do um, everyone, their brother podcast. We come out, we try to come out weekly <laughs> um, and it's a fun show. We call it a comedy podcast where we talk about pop culture things. It's it's a good time. So you can check us out there. We're at, at EATB podcast, everyone and their brother podcast. Um, and I we're there on Twitter and Instagram, all the good fun places and my personal podcast where you can hear me write a bunch of different uh, short stories, including an episode of The Office. I wrote an episode of The Office, which I'm actually very proud of. And uh, that one is at For the Love of Story with the number four um, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Yeah, I I saw that. And I'm not going to lie. Once I finished listening to your um, your main uh, Leapers novel, then uh, my wife and I, my, we're big fans of The Office, so we're excited to listen to to that episode. Did, isn't I, it called like the the Peacock? Yeah, I I wrote it when uh, Peacock, the you know network thing, the streaming service started coming out, and we knew The Office was moving from uh, Netflix to Peacock, um, and so I wrote an episode of The Office called The Peacock, um, and I had a <laughs> I had a really good time. I really did. So um, I'll you know let me know what you think about it if you're an Office fan. Dude, that's awesome. All right, man. Well, TJ, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. You guys go and check out uh, his stuff. It's fantastic. And yeah, we'll catch you later. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Well, that about wraps up today's episode. Special thanks to our sound producer, Jake Colvin. If you had as much fun as we did on this episode, we'd love it if you shared it with your family, friends, and anyone that you think you would like it. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and many other platforms. Also, we'd love it if you visited our Instagram or Facebook page and joined the conversation on hashtag What's Your Midnight Watch. You can also directly reach us at the Midnight Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. You have a fantastic month. And as always, keep up the watch. Keep up the watch.